0: Hello everybody. Welcome to episode Oh boy, episode 87 yes. of the Double Podcast. Today is uh, December 10th, 2023. My name is Victor Lee. Joined as always by Derek DeVera. Derek. If this is truly the 87th time we've done this, I don't think we've ever hit a high point quite as strong as this one.
1: No. This is great. This would be the greatest episode of all time.
0: It's, it's already starting out that way. You know, we're really hitting all the notes early here. Derek, we have so much to talk about. We're not going to prattle on here. Basketball, football, obviously a lot more in the football department. But Derek, I'm going to quickly take us through basketball with what I'm calling the lightning round. So this is, like, part weakest link, part fast money from Family View. Yes. So it. don't think too hard about these okay. uh, questions. Just respond just from your gut. I'm going to basically okay, throw... Uh, <laughs> gonna throw a number of questions at you just to kind of cover this as quickly as we can so i'm gonna quickly start my timer here all right here we go Derek, who is the current team the team's uh currently high scoring player
1: frank kapnong
0: no okay keon brooks who's the yeah. assist leader keon brooks jr close severe wheeler who did the huskies uh just beat last night
1: Gonzaga second mark few.
0: <laughs> who is the coach of Xavier, who the Huskies beat in the Continental Tire Classic? Sean uh, Miller. Very good. Very Warner, good. Arizona
1: head coach.
0: Yes, and I believe he was also at, at Xavier previously. Derek, who is currently your favorite player on this team?
1: Michael Penix Jr.
0: <laughs> very good. Derek, what's the Huskies basketball team's record right now? Two losses. Six wins? Close. It's six and three. Six and three. Is Washington ahead of Washington State in the Ken Palm rankings?
1: Yes, they are.
0: No, actually. Shockingly. Oh,
1: man.
0: I know. 53rd for UW, 43rd for Washington State. And lastly, Derek, who is the name of the player who we have not seen who signed as part of the uh, recruiting class last year and was the most heralded recruit from last year's recruiting class?
1: Oh, I've seen his name, but all I can think of is Jack Westover.
0: <laughs> that would be Wesley Yates III. Very oh, good, Derek. Okay. That, that only took a minute and a half there. You get two sentences for anything else that I didn't cover for basketball.
1: I just think it's pretty cool to finally beat Gonzaga in a weird year. Maybe Mike Hopkins has some magic left. But in general, I think this just shows... When your athletic department and there's so much excitement for the University of Washington brand, you know, I think of Boys in the Boat movie coming out and, and just a lot of UW hype, you know, it spreads and
0: winners win. Winners win because, Derek, you talk about that energy emanating out. It has been football season and a dramatic finish to the regular season and beyond. I I think you're right. The mania started obviously with that and then has sort of emanated out from there. Ah, like you said, that Gonzaga win yesterday, boy, what a feeling! It's only taken 18 years for the Huskies to pull that off. Obviously, they didn't play every year in between then. But you and I were talking about how the last time they did it, the team was the senior Brandon Roy and freshman John Brockman. So it, it's been a little bit. It has. Alrighty, Derek. Let's let's dive into the football stuff because boy, howdy, so much has happened. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Last we spoke, the Huskies were 10 and 0. They were going to have two final games and then potentially the conference championship game. UW heading on the road to Corvallis defeating number 11 Oregon State 22 to 20 in an absolute monsoon, miserable conditions kind of game. Uh, Huskies, by nature of winning that game, actually clinched a spot in the uh, conference championship game. So whatever happened the following week in the Apple Cup, really didn't matter from a like conference wins perspective or conference championship game. But obviously Huskies 11 to know i trying to stay uh, perfect on the season entered the Apple cup at number four and number four, UW knocking off Washington state 24 to 21 in a game that was, it was weird. We, I think the last, <laughs> the last two games of the regular season were weird ones. Huskies didn't make it easy on themselves as they haven't made it easy on themselves all season long, but did just enough uh, We'll get into kind of that gutsy call on, on fourth and one. Offense played a little tight, let uh, the Cougs stick around, and the Kooks almost pulled off a monumental upset uh, on the road at but in they Seattle. Didn't. They did but not. They, didn't, they did not. That is the key part. The Huskies, by winning the Apple Cup, accomplished the team's second-ever undefeated regular season, 12-0. But in this new uh, era of college football, there are conference championship games that must be played. And Oregon... Neighbors to the South fulfilled their end of the bargain, too, by punching their ticket to the conference championship game in the last week of the regular season. So it was the rematch that everyone thought we'd have. Number three UW facing number five Oregon. Huskies were betting underdogs going in. Nine and a half point underdogs down to Las Vegas. And the Huskies pull out a dramatic 34-31 to win to take the final Pac-12 conference championship and securing a spot, we thought at the time, in the college football playoff. We'll get into the playoff discussion in a moment here. Derek, these three games, again, wins by by you know one score or less. You know, you could sort of debate the merits of you know what a one score game is with how the game flow was, but just on the surface, right? That's how the Huskies have been playing all year. Their last comfortable win was back in September against Cal, I believe. And the last uh, win by more than two scores is against USC when they had that uh, drive to salt the game away with a, a ten-point cushion. Even though it was a fifty-two to forty-two, you know, pinball game. So many things happened. Michael Penix Jr. in the offense finding themselves late. The team getting healthy. Your thoughts on this thirteen and O Husky squad, Pac-12 champions forever, and just what it means to be a fan of this team. Yeah. Incredible. I think
1: I've loved our cadence with with our episodes because we do let a little bit more breathing room game after game. But what a finish. I mean, first, the Oregon State game in Corvallis, I I was circling that and me, the eternal optimist on this undefeated record, (laughs) you know, journey that Oregon State is just such a tough team. I think we just don't match up well. They're so physical. They have a great offense. They have a great defensive line. The mm-hmm. rain, I think, was just such a factor. But amazing to just see throw after throw of UW's offense not letting up on their identity, knowing like we have Michael Penix Jr., we have Rome Madunze. Those two touchdown passes, I think, were so crucial, so key, 22-20 row game. And they pulled it off. Um, mm-hmm. Apple Cup game, as you mentioned, was just a weird game, rivalry game. We kind of knew it was the trap of most trap games. But pulling it off, 24-21, Grady Gross hitting the game winner, earning a scholarship, mm-hmm. uh, a great moment to finish out the year and just being able to say we were undefeated for the entire regular season and then just increasing the stakes the pressure each and every time you mentioned the oregon state game winning that meant that we were going to the pac-12 championship game so we could have just phoned it in against wazoo for the apple cup obviously we didn't and obviously i think Just the mentality of this team is, no, we need to keep winning. We need to maintain this immaculate record. And getting that lead up to the Pac-12 championship game, I think, was just elite in that there was so much hype, national televised audience. You could see Las Vegas buzzing, the the stadium packed with 50-50 fans from Oregon and UW. And it delivered. It delivered another class of performance. And... Just so proud of the team and how much they just finished the job. You know, all the cliche catchphrases of winners win and championship mindset, but they executed. And Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of hand-wringing around, oh, they didn't really defeat Arizona State very well or, or Stanford. They're close games. But this is the mental fortitude that you need when it comes down to it because other Conference championship games, I saw Georgia and Alabama play, and Georgia didn't have it. They mm-hmm. they wilted, they they folded pretty early and just so proud of this team, how consistent they were of just pulling out wins and staying true to themselves. And so we can get into finer details about specific plays, but I think in general, UW got it done. And it's incredible to see this undefeated just flawless record in knowing that this was a week-to-week brand team, as, as we've mentioned in past episodes. Mm-hmm. And the endurance of the program, of the coaching staff, to stay locked in and not have a letdown is, is just pretty
0: remarkable. Totally. I, I think you look at each game, and you talk about that week-to-week brand, and it's almost just like... We've learned a little bit more about this team every time. That Oregon State game, right, 22 to 20. The Huskies didn't score a point in the second half. They actually entered halftime at 22 to 10. Missed a field goal in the second half. They were really fits and starts. Oregon State had a like a nine or 10 minute drive that scored a touchdown. That just really, you know, sucked up all the oxygen for UW and made it much tighter than Husky fans would have wanted. But you know, on that key drive for the Huskies to put the game away. You know, they've got the ball. They, uh, I believe Oregon State had failed a fourth down conversion. DJU sailing a ball just a little high, and Oregon State can't hold on to it. And then it's third and three. You know, Penix looks to his left. It's one-on-one coverage for Adunze. Double clutch throw. It's a, It's just on the outside shoulder, and Adunze, of course, makes the key grab. He's obviously been the Huskies' you know, biggest weapon uh, all season long. And then... The Apple Cup against, you know, Wazoo, same story with fourth and one. The Husky has been playing tight all game, it felt like. And, you know, they gave up a, a dumb penalty on Dom Hampton for leaping on a Wazoo field goal that ended up, you know, converting uh, that field goal instead for uh, the Cougs into a touchdown because they obviously got the automatic penalty and then scored right afterwards. fourth and one, the Husky offense just had been so, so Jekyll and Hyde that entire game you know, well within their side of the field the Huskies call up a, I guess it's like a fake handoff reverse play that mm-hmm. Penix, you know, gets and, and flips it out to a who breaks it for 23 yards to move the chains. And the Huskies basically could do no worse than heading to overtime. And then obviously Grady Gross kicks the, uh, the 40 some, you know, field yard field goal. Uh, but even those final two, two, three plays in that drive were a little ridiculous, right? like, Penix throws two passes that one's into traffic in the middle of the field that looked kind of dangerous. The other one was tipped on on kind of the right side of the field, and Odunze had to play the defensive back instead of receiver. And then Penix takes a sack on third down that actually pushes him further back. It was a like 36 yarder and pushing it back to about a 43 yarder. So. You know, all those things really contributed to kind of that emotional nervousness, I think, that you and I felt heading into the Pac-12 championship game. I mean, Oregon was a betting favorite for a reason. Huskies just hadn't looked like a, a top-line team despite being, you know, third in the nation, despite being undefeated. We were espousing for a little bit that this sort of felt like a luck-running-out team, but... Yeah, yeah. It, it hasn't happened yet, and after the performance in the Pac-12 championship game, it seemed instead as if Leskies had found their groove, and I think a lot of that was due to the health of, of the team. You know, we saw the safeties actually be safeties, you know, Asa mm-hmm. Turner, Cam coming in and actually kind of holding down those spots. Uh, Jalen McMillan obviously had a huge game in the conference Saddle game, uh, nine for 131, and just some absolute deep shots that Penix hit moving the chains and just the, the kind of big play momentum swings that had only sort of been in fits and starts. I think when McMillan was out, now you have kind of the two uh, elite receivers. And, and I think even in the commentary, you know, we saw it with the, the last drive for the Huskies trying to put the game away. They'd, you know, gone up by 10 on a beautiful seven minute drive. And then they give up a, like a easy pitch and catch, long touchdown, catch and run from Oregon Bonex over to Tez Johnson that they scored in like 30 seconds. And it was exactly the last thing the Huskies needed, but Huskies, you know, they feel the onside kick properly. They get a third and three. And I think Herbstre called it too. He he basically pointed out that they put McMillan and Odunze on one side of the field and whatever matchup Penix liked, they would go to it. And it was basically just kind of a six yard out route for McMillan, caught the ball, moved the chains. I think the only thing wrong he did. And it's even a play design thing was that he had to go out of bounds as the plays okay. design. It's a safe throw. Um, and then Dylan Johnson slamming the door shut uh, with a long run. He had two two long runs on that drive, the the kind of toss plays. And he was just balling out that entire game. Huskies, just so much more physical at the line, really bullied Oregon uh, in a way that I don't think you I, are expecting. And Oregon's running backs just uh, mysteriously MIA that entire game. You and I had talked about it, you know, Huskies, I think, have given up, like, over 400 yards on the ground, or it seems like 400 yards on the ground. The last two times, the teams had played in uh, Eugene and Seattle, and and they got nothing going uh, in the conference championship game. I think they were under, like, they were under 100 yards for running backs, and Bonix had, like, a 40-some-yard uh, yard scamper that obviously counts towards that, but outside of that play, no consistent damage, no consistent kind of body blows. It was the Huskies themselves doing the punching. And just you know what a release of energy for Husky fans, thirteen and zero, and just just the way that they've come back now, and and they look like that team that we saw in September, that more complete team, and a team that uh, just has to feel so good now going into bowl season and and the the postseason. Yeah, I am just tickled by the fact that we are Pac-12
1: champions forever, and forever, forever, and to just put an exclamation point on an undefeated season with a championship for your conference and also they're not done yet and there's Mm -hmm. a lot and i know we'll get into the college football playoffs and and bowl game hype a little bit but i think we talk a lot about the week-to-week brand and i think it has really benefited the program to really just stay present in the moment of we just need to take care of this business and then once you get into that next game prep they're ready and they're locked in and I I don't feel like they've ever looked ahead that november gauntlet of a schedule was just really battle testing this this team and i think you mentioned the pac12 championship being the most complete game i don't think that coaching staff gets enough credit on steadying the team, you know, against Washington State, Oregon State, Utah, and, you know, Arizona State, and Stanford, USC, all those games, because we weren't healthy. We lost some Mm -hmm. big pieces. But unlike other teams where you lose a big weapon and it sort of is like, oh my gosh, we're cobbling it together, I felt like the sense within the program is oh cam fab just isn't available this week and then whoever's stepping up has to step up you know Mm -hmm. having our big defensive line managing reps and pitch counts if you will there of you know Thule only played 10 snaps against you know usc and just saving him and then being able to unleash at full strength the pac-12 championship game and i think that's just a testament to the coaching staff of this is just who we are and we can do the next man up mentality and just have guys step up. There's times where, you know, we were playing with maybe just Roma Dunze as our number one playmaker and everyone mm-hmm. else was banged up. And then we find out Roma Dunze was a little banged up. And so that's what a championship program's about. And I think they are doing such a great job week to week. The Pac-Twelve Championship, just what a great showcase to a national audience too, where I, I feel like they gained a ton of fans, even if if they're not big Pac-Twelve watchers or or what have you, but just mm. loved the style of play. It was a fun, explosive offense. It was so great to see a full wide receiving group of Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillan, Polk, and in and Westover and Colt and, and Dylan Johnson just running so hard, um, Mm -hmm. even though he's banged up. And I think my favorite thing was seeing our offensive line just absolutely dominate and move the pile and and get lateral. And that third and nine play of Dylan Johnson, when everyone is just doing all the math to see how much time left, and Oregon did not touch the ball again. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think
1: that is an incredible just slamming the door Getting that third and nine, being smart about sliding down, and then just having such a visceral reaction. We were there together. <laughs> and, it's done. We did it. Yeah. UW completed the task, the the first goal of of the season of getting a Pac-12 championship against a heated rival that was very well praised. And and it was just so fun to to be able to flip that narrative and see the big players play and deliver on a big stage, because that's championship football. And I mean, I think I'm also just resigned to the fact that this is almost a a once-in-a-generation type feeling of such a mature and special team with great playmakers. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something to be savored.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It's been great to just watch and see them deliver and then now you know hopefully we have two more games to play
0: yeah so let's talk about what happened afterwards i know you've alluded to a little bit and i've been sort of dancing around it because i, I want to try to capture that sense of how the last week was in, in championship saturday so the pac-12 title game was on friday as it has been for the last decade or so stupidly
1: i like it, it. i like it <laughs> but, uh,
0: it's i think it helps that that UW has won every conference championship game they've appeared in I know
1: that I, I do want to just highlight that,
0: that it feels so
1: great to know that we've never had like a letdown of, oh, we were so close
0: mm-hmm. and we didn't just deliver and we right. delivered. Shout I, out to
1: the Chris Peterson hype videos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were literally going where I was going to go with that. It's like, you know, they, they talked about it on that video, bring, bring home number 18. And they legacy. Yeah. They they use the L word legacy. So championship Saturday, you know, the Huskies, by virtue of being a a Power 5 conference champion undefeated, felt pretty good going into Championship Saturday to just sort of watch what happened. The easiest path would have been, if everything went to chalk, it would likely have been a UW-Michigan Rose Bowl. But we saw the seeds of chaos get sowed early because on Saturday morning, Texas played Oklahoma State for the big 12 championship and Texas looked really, really good. They blew out Oklahoma state by several touchdowns and on their way, 12 and one conference champion, you know, they started to look like there could at least be a discussion about whether they were part of the four best teams in the country. And then in the afternoon, Georgia versus Alabama in the sec championship game, Georgia ends up falling. And that knocks the number one team out from that spot and Alabama becomes SEC champion again so there was now some questions about whether Alabama would make the field as a, another you know kind of established name and a conference champion at 12 and 1. And then in the evening with the ACC championship Florida State defeating Louisville by 10 points but really looking unimpressive doing it because largely uh, using their a third string quarterback and not a lot of passing in that game as you might not be surprised to find out. All of these things though, five teams five or six teams potentially, maybe even seven if you want to kind of open that up. Four spots, a lot of discussions the night before about whether a uh, the SEC could be left out. Would they leave a undefeated conference champion from the Power Five conference out? I, I definitely read more than a fo- couple of folks kind of angling that that could be the case. We got to Sunday morning, ESPN's college football playoff reveal, number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number 3 Texas, number 4 Alabama. So it did happen. Florida State, 13 and 0 ACC champions left out number 5 on the college football playoff rankings. And of course this led to not a a non-insignificant amount of complaining and people feeling very mad for Florida State as am I just for the hosing that they got on on uh, cable television and really the discussions around best and most deserving. Derek, we can dive into that if you want. But I guess for firstly, for UW, it's it's Washington versus Texas. Again, uh, these mm-hmm. two teams played Czechs watch. Oh, just a year ago in the Alamo Bowl. This time, it will be down to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl in the two three matchup. And then Michigan gets Alabama in the Rose Bowl. Both games will be on New Year's Day. Rose Bowl starts at two o'clock, and then the Sugar Bowl starts at five forty-five Pacific. It's a rematch with the familiar foe, as we saw these two teams square off in more or less the same capacity, and that will be an electric game. It's against Sark again, and Pete Kwiatkowski, and some old kind of yed-up connections. Maybe even to some familiarity with these folks, obviously having played last year, but Texas just looks far more of a juggernaut than they did last year. And obviously, UW is perfect, and and this team has has chops to it that I don't think that uh, last year's team had. So, Derek, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, which spot do you want to talk about first—the playoff game itself, or the playoff committee, or anything in between?
1: I think we've we the collective we have talked about the committee to death about the hand wringing of why did Florida State get pulled out, you know, and, and 14 playoff is up here, or should like next year with 12 team and mm-hmm. much better. I think for me, just this matchup is being a number two seed, I think is incredible to, to think about. We were always on the cusp of like, Oh, I hope we, we stay in it. If we just keep winning, we'll stay, you know, around four, maybe we'll bump up to three. And then all of a sudden Georgia falls, we're number two. And mm-hmm. I think the Sugar Bowl destination is an interesting element. I think a lot of folks were pining for the Rose Bowl and and maybe your traditional Pac-12, Big bit Ten mm-hmm. matchup. But I'm I'm excited about this sort of adding another layer of underdogness of Texas. I think will be a little bit more at an advantage. So just diving into the UW Texas matchup, it, it just feels like. Sark is always going to be around somehow. U Dub's <laughs> in, in <UW's laughs> journey, and and I've appreciated Kalen DeBoer ever since the Alamo Bowl last year. Really talking about Sark, and you know he's a part of this journey. Mm-hmm. And, and I think on a personal note, you know, you and I, we we've sort of grown into our fandom as college students with sark and and seeing that trajectory and Mm -hmm. him getting to texas with another respected program and it's just going to be fun i think um i'm slowly as we get closer to the new year's day bowl games am just growing in confidence about this team and how they match up with the entire field in the college football playoff that there's no program that makes me terrified i think georgia's defense was was a one exception in that but they're not in this yeah. um college playoff and so in 2016 when we made the playoff the, the first time i think there was just such a gap when we were playing alabama mm-hmm. in terms of our offense and going toe-to-toe with an sec defense i don't feel that as much and i i think texas is a great program they blew out oklahoma state but i think they're very gettable i think it's going to be a fun offensive chess match and continuing that we're healthy and we're just gaining confidence i think it's going to be a great great game i'm excited i trust michael Penix, roma dunze and and the rest of the gang of stepping up on this very high profile stage and Mm -hmm. You know, I think they have a good shot and, you know, week to week again, just, just enjoy this. And and it's hard not to think about like, oh my gosh, if they win this, they're going to be playing for a national championship, mm-hmm. but I think they match up very well. I think they yeah. can really move them laterally. I think, yes, they have a great interior defensive line, but I just seeing the way they game planned against Oregon and doing a lot of pitches and. And a lot of running to the outside, getting blockers in motion. I think we have very athletic O-linemen. I think our passing game is going to be tr- terrific. You know, I think our defense has just stepped up with confidence, having a healthy secondary and healthy safety play. And then we can unleash our, our pass rush and, and get after uh, Ewers, uh, QB of Texas. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, he doesn't necessarily terrify me. Like Bo Nix did, really, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm I'm just excited. I, I do want to temper my excitement too because I know it's a it's a tough game, but um, but yeah, let's get it done.
0: Yeah, I will say the Quinn Ewers of this year is not the Quinn Ewers of last year, and and Xavier Worthy, I think he's going to play. He was injured, I think, during the Big Twelve Championship game, but he's he's not dropping three touchdowns like he did last year in the Alamo Bowl cuz those were some gimmies that he dropped and and yeah. UW's defense was was a not good plays that that they gave up.
1: I do think the Alamo Bowl comp, you know, yes, we've seen them before. For me, UW winning the Alamo Bowl it solidified my view on DeBoer of being able to prepare a team for a, a big stage because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, UW doesn't perform well easily um, mm-hmm. coached by Sark on, on goal game level <laughs> oh. sometimes, but the fact that that was to me a jumping off point. Even though last year was great, I, I felt like oh we can play with the big boys, and then led mm-hmm. into a terrific off season. So the rematchness is just a nice little storyline. But I think both teams are very very different.
0: Absolutely. Also, you just did some Chris Peterson, Chris Peterson washing for for the bowl <laughs> record and and defending there. So <laughs> just calling it out, man. Peterson was not exactly amazing in, in bowl games too, but, but back to the, the beach bowl and, you know, from the 2016 season and the playoff game there, right? Like, like you were saying, it, it sort of felt like UW had, I don't want to say maximize. Cause maybe that's sort of cheapening of the word, but like, you know, they were a two touchdown underdog to Alabama and that was a loaded Alabama defense. Well, like, you yeah. go back and, in retrospect and you look at that roster, like, the future NFL players like up and down the roster and, and Jake Browning and that offense, I I just don't think that they were really equipped to handle that. Like you were saying, and this year, like, like you mentioned, the field is really, really open. It's sort of also kind of a a reason why I think we were so happy winning the, the PAC 12 championship game was because like if Oregon had won and they'd gotten into the field too, it's, you were like looking at that and be like, Oh, they could actually like the field is so open. There's no like kind of clear favorite. Yeah, and if you can Oregon, take that opportunity. Oregon
1: didn't. Exactly. So and, they they don't have a national championship again.
0: Exactly. That that also three points downtown for us on on kind of the the smack talking there. But like absolutely, it's it's a wide open field. And I think this matchup with Texas really plays the best out of the three other options. I think Michigan's defense can pose problems. They're probably the least explosive offense out of the four playoff teams. Alabama's defense is is maybe the one of the weaker defenses they have fielded in the last decade or so, but that's still a pretty good defense. I probably would not have been as as keen on the matchup with Jalen um, Milrow and the offense for the Crimson Tide, but yeah, like and and Texas' secondary is is pretty suspect in ways that I think are pretty gettable. So the Huskies will have to to work on that. I'll, I'll be curious too. I think one thing I remember from the Alamo Bowl last year is just how how much of the, the kind of short and middle game that the Huskies played, Penix took, I think, seven or eight shots downfield, and he didn't hit any of them in the Alamo Bowl last year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so can that be something that the Huskies pull off this time around against the Longhorns? Is it? Yes. 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 <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, they're they're far more equipped to do it this year than last year. I mean, Odunze really is, is kind of turning into... College superstar, NFL product receiver. We'll get into the awards in a moment, but I mean he's you know, like if you're playing NCAA football, the video game, like yeah, you're looking at all the wide receivers who are the best. He's like you know a 98 or a 99, It's just yeah. overpowered and it. so good.
1: And the rest of the receiving core is healthy and ready to go. It's not like there's a steep drop off. I think it's it's a pick your poison type mm-hmm. thing where I could just see it. You describe a lot of the Pac-12 championship alignment of, you have Roma Dunsey, Jalen McMillan lined up on, on one side of the field. They run great, crisp routes, and it's just Penix makes the read. Where is the defense leaning? Boom, completion. And I think they'll be able to scheme it. You mentioned the suspect secondary for Texas. It's just hard to cover all those guys. Mm-hmm. We have Polk, who, who makes the most contested catches and just delivers you know when he needs to you have our tight ends who are gaining confidence quentin moore our third maybe fourth (laughs) tight end getting a clutch touchdown down at the goal line to put the go-ahead you know foot down and Mm -hmm. and then with a run game I, i just think there's so many weapons i think the offense is finally getting back to the early season form and I think what's so funny is people for kind of forgot about how quickly this offense could just jump out to a lead. Mm-hmm. you know think Michigan state, Cal, Tulsa, all of that, and then it's sort of like, okay, can we clean up some stuff? Can our defense get in there and that what that to me is indicative of like the powerhouse l s u Alabama teams during the regular season where they would just stomp on opponents. Right. Obviously, I think UW was just more battle-tested because it was such a tough conference. Mm -hmm. This was the hardest schedule that any program had to play, and they delivered. And so I'm just excited to see how the offense... I I believe this offense can win any shootout now. They did Mm -hmm. it with USC and Oregon, and I just don't think any other offense really tests the other side of the ball as, as much as UW does. And I'm just really excited about it and just hoping that we get out early to get in rhythm. It's all about rhythm. You know, I don't think that we'll like jump out the three score lead and then just like shut the door. I think there might be some back and forth, but just starting out early to just get all the guys in rhythm. You saw that with the O-line and how it just pays dividends down the stretch of a, a big time ball game.
0: Mm -hmm. I think you and I talked previously too about like what is the kind of modern cheat code for college football these days and it's star quarterback and star receiver. It's a really good passing game and the Huskies have that this year. And so can they ride that advantage all the way to the end of a potential national championship and a potential undefeated season for a national championship? It's going to be... Spectacular to watch. I think the games on New Year's Day are going to be fantastic. This program is just riding such a high. And to your point too, you know, this is an experienced squad, and it's it's partly built off of you know the extra eligibility granted from the COVID year, yeah. And just the I don't
1: think we're ever going to
0: have that. Absolutely, and and I think that's that also is kind of one of the the big things that we've seen is just how how much that means and just how good this team has been, and we'll get to see him at least one more time and not having to worry about, you know, people leaving for the NFL or not uh, opting out of the bowl games and all that stuff. You, we at least yeah. get to see the show one more time. it has been right. quite a thrill ride for the, for any Washington Husky fan. Over to the notebook section, then Derek, with winning big and winning the winning ways undefeated come a lot of accolades. That's... The Huskies, had at least four players in the uh, all-conference roster there. And You know, the all-conference roster is always kind of fun, right? Because they, with the nature of football, you can only put so many players on there. But Husky's obviously landing a handful of players there. Kalen DeBoer named Conference Coach of the Year and also gained a, a National Coach of the Year honor as well. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, invited to New York as a Heisman finalist. They invited four players, uh, Jaden Daniels out of LSU, uh, Penix, obviously, and then Bo Nix out of Oregon, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State. The the results came in yesterday, and Penix finished second in the Heisman voting. Jaden Daniels becomes this year's Heisman Trophy winner, so congrats to everyone who was invited. Michael Penix Jr. did pick up the Maxwell Award, um, and so he didn't leave uh, empty-handed in the hardware department, but uh, obviously just a tremendous, tremendous accolades for this team the staff well-deserved and all we're missing right now is a hefty contract extension for kalen DeBoer being announced soon
1: yeah i i mean it's pretty cool to get not just pac-12 conference coach of the year on his own i know last year he he shared it with jonathan smith at oregon state and and now he's off to michigan state but mm-hmm. having him win that all on his own and then get a national accolade of coach of the year was pretty cool to see so i mean kellen DeBoer, what what a resume just currently of just being a winning coach his career coaching record is just almost unimaginable yeah 100 plus wins and barely in in the teens losses i'm hopeful he continues this momentum um in with the coaching staff and and retaining guys so we'll see you know i, I just want to make sure i don't forget this with michael Penix jr it's so funny that we're talking about his second in voting for the heisman finalists deep into our episode as like a <laughs> throwaway notebook tidbit because that is the highest uh, husky has ever gotten Mm -hmm. i thought it was so cool to see his attire his outfit uh, a great velvet purpley suit stitched in the inner lining the names of all his teammates and coaches i think that was just like a nice touch and in a lot of ways he may not have won the entire heisman but a lot of people voted for him as number mm-hmm. 1 and i think he's continuing to gain a lot of clout and and praise of just being a good good dude great quarterback and you know being a team first guy and mm-hmm. yeah just just really proud to see a, a uw representative at that national stage and seeing his teammates so excited for him mm-hmm. is is pretty cool
0: yes he, he's a tremendous ambassador for the program and obviously his on-field play has been nothing short of spectacular. And I, I didn't think I'd ever see a, a, you player even like grace the Heisman stage. And so to see him up there, just even being part of the field and, and staying in, in the race too, for as long as he did, you know, we, we yeah. talked about how yeah. he sort of faded in the second half. That's probably what cost him uh, ultimately in, in the Heisman voting, but to, to reclaim some of that power too, because I think people felt like he was, third or fourth on the voting, entering right. the the conference championship game and then out dueling and, yeah, and getting the yeah. getting out in front of Bonex. Yeah. The the check down <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and he won a Maxwell Award. Yeah. Know? And it's like that's that's a great great award, great accolade there. And and I, I have to admit that there was a little piece of me that kinda wish that he didn't get the Heisman. I think just that extra chip on his shoulder coming into the Sugar Bowl and, and finishing out the year of uh, you always try to find ways of, of being the underdog and, and, and not mm-hmm. overly manufacture it, but that element of, oh, being doubted, you know, you mm-hmm. delivered when Oregon came up as, you know, nine point favorites and and so you could just sense the team really ra- rallying around it and they like admitted it in post-game right of like and so I think this just for me adds to that little bit of fire and to me I think the Heisman curse in a long-term future <laughs> of NFL career is kind of a real thing so I'm kind of like it's all right Mike you are still a Heisman in, in the eyes of the true truest of fans so yes um, that that's kind of how i approached last night's ceremony of yes he got second He was almost there but he's almost there didn't need to to win it outright
0: yeah now those are good points and he and he still gets the honor of playing for for the most valuable thing which is the national championship right lastly we'll close out with two quick notes here uh safety vincent nunley is off to the transfer portal he's kind of in and out of the lineup this year so it's maybe not surprising that he's off, portaling. Uh, just didn't qu- ever quite seem to to get a footing, a permanent footing in, in the lineup, and he'd been sort of held out. I think it's the coaches had said personal reasons for the last stretch of game. So, well, hopefully uh, he'll land in a good spot for him. And then Derek, the the bigger news that sort of came out was that the Apple Cup, which you know had been in jeopardy of of being discontinued because of, obviously, realignment, uh, is getting extended to 2028, which is good news, I think, for all fans in the state of Washington. Next year's game will be played in September uh, at Lumenfield, and then they'll go back to alternating home-and-home games. 2025 will be in Pullman, and then back to Seattle in 2026, and so on and so forth, up till they hopefully renew the agreement again. So uh, it'll be a little weird with the uh, September timeline, so that means likely no more snow games for these two teams, and obviously each school holds a, a snow game uh, up there in terms of the the rivalry, but uh, with Oregon moving down to the Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving time slot for the Huskies in terms of scheduling, we can expect fall crisp games for for both uh, schools from the state of Washington. Yeah, I think it's, it's a good
1: salvaging effect of, of just the big-money conference realignment and that they got it done pretty quickly to just, like, go into the offseason thinking about that. You know, big shout-out to all the mascots of the Pac-12 joining together at the final Pac-12 conference championship, seeing dancing <laughs> on the sideline and taking photos. And there's just such a, a bittersweet nostalgia. And, like, you know, they're mascots. It, it doesn't really mean much, but, like, this is the embodiment of oh here are all these schools together one last time that there's some affinity of all these programs and the fact that again UW final Pac-12 champions but I, I think in general you know doing your best to continue the ties from past tradition and history and you can reflect on that a lot more into the offseason but filling out the the schedule and It will be different, but good to see that that
0: will continue. Yeah. Just the second time these teams will be playing in a neutral site game. Last time the teams played, you and I were there. 2011 at then CenturyLink Field as they were doing starting the renovation on Husky Stadium.
1: And what what a great sort of secondary venue to have. Very close by to to Husky, faithful. So should be good matchups. We'll see what next year looks like.
0: Absolutely. Derek, over to the bet recap. Yes. As we reach the season's end, I think we're actually able to lock in some of these already. At the beginning of the season, we had five bets, and we've now been able to render out some winners. So, Derek, you've won three of them. The Heisman voting, obviously Panic's finishing second, is well above the fifth that I had, had listed yeah, as a, a, a had under. Some faith I, I, You know, I was wrong. We have it on record there. I was wrong. <laughs> Sacks allowed just eleven on the season, which is tremendous. Because I, I put the line over at, at seventeen over and under, and I was, I thought you know that, the the line couldn't play as well as they did last year when I think they were, you know, it was like, eight or nine, which is also pretty unbelievable. So, yeah. so I think we'll we'll have a hit for you there. And the team defense currently fiftieth overall, just in terms of opponents points per game. I was more optimistic on that one, thinking that they'd finish above forty. And uh, that did not quite work out. Unfortunately, the dividing line between 50th and 40th is like a two points per game. But obviously, you'd have been too many shootouts in yeah. October, November to make that a reality. So as for me, though, we did mention on last episode that I did punch out mine pretty early with the tight end touchdown totals. Dover and Culp hitting over six. And then the McMillan Odunze a thousand yards went my way, largely through unhappiness, though, with McMillan being out. So, uh, I suppose you could get that if you just went Supernova the last two games here, potentially, but it, yeah. it seems like a long shot at best.
1: Yeah. But I I think I'm also so happy to see McMillan back and healthy, and not just a sort of decoy player where you can tell yes. he's bubbled up. but that he was very much incorporated into the game plan. And you see just like the three or four pages of the offensive playbook just open up and use him and then polk sort of filling in the gaps and westover and colt and, and you can just design so much of that mm-hmm. and i think again it's just indicative of how the coaching staff really game planned well where yeah we missed them for a big chunk of the regular season and we were still singing the praises of the offense of being such an explosive offense and so seeing him Back and healthy,
0: seeing the offense at full go is going to be real exciting. Absolutely, and, and they worked him in nicely too in the games leading up to the championship game. They forced fed him a couple times on the in the Apple Cup on a couple of the little bubbles and swings. Derek, I think that's going to wrap it up. No, do, no, do you want talking? <laughs> do you want to be so bold as to put a prediction down for for the Sugar Bowl? I, I don't. I, 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 I do not. Okay, all right. I was going to say I think I, <laughs> I mean, think we're going to come back. Do. No. I mean I I am I'm generally of the sort where I I don't think that uh I I want to talk much about it until it happens. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I mean, I think surprisingly we did predictions for the season overall and I remember I think years past, I've always been like, undefeated season, I think we could do it. And the the one year we didn't, or I, I said, I think we'd lose to Oregon State because it's mm-hmm. just a brutal schedule.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we end up having a a perfect, perfect record. Um, so much so that I had to brag about it. You know, I, I don't know if you still, this is sort of a tangent, but I don't know if you still play the Immaculate Grid. Um, I, I do you know stemming from baseball but now they're doing other sports where you pick certain players that played on different teams into certain categories and i i have a thread going and you know we send our daily things and the day (laughs) after pac 12 championship i screenshotted the record of the uw huskies and said immaculate (laughs) and i i will just for a very long time, just spike the football on an immaculate record for the UW Huskies. And mm-hmm. I don't need to predict any scores or, or what it's going to look like. Because I think you're right. Let's let's enjoy it when, when it comes. And, and there's so much that goes on. There's a lot of bowl prep now. There's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of bowl games leading up to it. Hopefully they get it done. And just a lot of icing on the cake here for an incredible season. All predictions are arbitrary and, and score bets and, and placing them all that so
0: just win. Yeah. This team is special. Just go out there. Winners win, as you've said. So hopefully we'll be on the right yeah. side of that ledger two I mean, more times.
1: I, I, I do just want to highlight just a personal note of, of you and I, Victor, of what a journey to start a husky podcast of, of double dog cast of yes. the years we spent you know at the University of Washington, and uh, the seeds of our friendship started freshman year of the opposite of an immaculate season. (laughs) uh, And, you know, 0-12, just winless freshman year, having no victories, and us still showing up day after day of every home game that we could, believing maybe this is the week that we turn it around, and then Flipped to now, um, what? Thirteen years later, 15. Uh, fifteen. 15 years later. Yeah, to see an undefeated season together, and and we did yeah. watch the Oregon game, the championship game, and it was just fun to ride this journey of Husky football, especially um, and enjoy it. And hopefully, we have a couple more games to enjoy together.
0: Absolutely, what a what a wild ride it's been and one that we're, we're hopeful keeps going. This team is special in so many ways, and it's just been an absolute thrill to to discuss it with you and to to talk about it in, in the in-between, too. Uh, it's just... Oof. Like you said, we may never see a team like this again, so enjoy it, Husky fans. We're going to remember 2023 like a fine vintage.
1: Yes. Oh, it's so delicious.
0: <laughs> All righty, folks. We hope... You guys are doing well and staying safe. We hope that uh, you all enjoy the holiday season. We'll be back in January to recap, uh, obviously, the bowls, early signing period. We haven't even touched on on recruiting and all that stuff, so we will we'll get to have that that pleasure. Yeah, so much more to cover and so much more to talk about in the new year. So, hope you guys staying healthy and staying safe. Go dogs!
1: Go dogs!